If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 63 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, September 13th, 2020. Let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, guys. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and, obviously, where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the main man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. Also, don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word about Yapping Yankees every week as well. And also stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Be sure to follow me on there. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero. And you can follow me on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. It is episode 63, definitely in the home stretch, I'd say, guys. And after today's episode, we only have two more episodes until the season ends, exactly two Sundays from today. As today's game against the Orioles is game number 47 in this shortened 60-game season. It's honestly just crazy. I feel like it was just yesterday we were talking about this shortened season getting underway. And in this bizarre year, strangely, when you feel like time is just dragging sometimes, at the same time, and I don't really even know how to describe it, but it's also just going by really fast. It's really strange. I honestly can't even explain it. But when it comes to 2020, what can you explain? Yeah, that's right. Absolutely nothing. But when it comes to the last week, a couple of big days happened this past week, obviously. We had Labor Day on Monday, and I hope you were able to have a nice, relaxing day. Hopefully you had a day off from work like many did. And of course, 9-11 was a couple of days ago on Friday, and 9-11 always hits me very hard. Although I didn't lose anybody in my immediate family or any friends in the attacks, quite frankly, all you really need to do is have a heart and a soul, or even a fraction of either of those, and the inhumane horror of 9-11 will hit you. There's just no day like it, especially for us New Yorkers. I was only four going on five at the time. I was born in January of 97, so I was alive and I have very vague memory of it. I just remember seeing my mom crying her eyes out in front of the TV with the news on, showing the towers on fire with all the smoke in the sky, and of course I didn't much understand what was going on, but... Not many years after that, obviously, I did, and of course, I understand even more so now. There's just truly no day like it. It's a day that just ignites the very same anger and pain in us Americans every year as it did 19 years ago now. 19 years. 
That's just crazy, and I can only imagine how crazy that is for the people who are old enough to remember it clearly in their minds and understand what was going on. Because as I said earlier, there were a good amount of us who didn't fully understand what was going on because we may not have been old enough. But for years now, every year, I listen to the broadcasts from some news outlets from that day, and I listen to Howard Stern's 9-11 broadcast. Yes, I'm a big Howard fan. And just hearing them reacting live on the air to what's going on is so powerful because they were on the air when it was happening. And obviously there's also the videos, and I could barely talk about them without getting choked up. The people in the planes and the buildings calling their families and telling them how much they love them and how much they hope to see them again. <laughs> It's choking me up right now. <sighs> Just thinking about the videos and the audio from those phone calls. It's saying goodbye to your loved ones when you know you're not going to make it. <laughs> it's awful. It really is awful. It's just terrible. To anyone, anyone who perished that day from workers and regular people, both on the planes and in and around the towers, the Pentagon, and so on, to cops, first responders, and also even those who didn't die that day, thank God, and helped save lives during the attacks and after, to this day, helped in the cleanup afterwards, and my girlfriend Victoria's father was one of them. I'll give him a little shout-out. He was there during the attacks because he's worked for the MTA in the city for decades, and he helped clean up afterwards alongside most of his co-workers, as did my uncle. Just, God bless all of you. Every single one of you. And there's just countless people to honor and commemorate. There's just too many, both living and dead, from those monstrous attacks. Just, God bless all. I've echoed that every year, and I'll continue to do so until the day I die. And especially for those who lived, if any of you listening were there in the area that day, or anywhere else impacted, like the towers, the Pentagon, and walked away with your life, I'm sure you count your blessings every single day. But I cannot imagine what it's like to have those images and memories in your head all these years, and for the rest of your life, probably. It's just awful. It always hits me hard, 9-11. So that was a tough day, as always. Especially for those who experienced losses, obviously, I can't even imagine. But it's always a really difficult day for everybody to look back on. But we must never forget. Never. And I apologize for getting emotional. I'm not going to edit that part of the show whatsoever. That's just going to be raw, unedited audio for you guys. And that's that. But I apologize for getting emotional. It's just 9-11 hits me hard, as it does anybody who has just a heart and a soul somewhere. So that wasn't planned, but it happened. <laughs> And that's that. I'll leave it. Besides, tears get ratings. <laughs> I'm just messing around. But guys, let's bring the mood back up a little bit. Don't want to have those awful thoughts in our heads for any longer than they need to be. We go through it enough the day of. And besides, with the Yankees from this past week, which is a nice change after the last few weeks prior to this one, as we know, we have plenty of positives to discuss. Yes, positives. <laughs> now, the week started off pretty bad basically picking up right where we left off from last Sunday's episode. But then, starting Wednesday all the way to today, we've seen a shift in our Yankees. 
from mostly good injury news to overall gameplay, and we'll be getting to all of that today. So good injury news, good gameplay from Wednesday to today has really seen a shift in the way the Yankees have been doing things, which again is a nice change from what's been going on the last few weeks. So I'll be giving more injury updates, and again, basically all of them except for one of them are positive, and we'll go over this past week's action in weekly recap, which by the way has also been pretty fun because since Wednesday, on social media, basically just on Twitter, I've been predicting what's going to happen in every game since Wednesday, and I have basically nailed all of my predictions all the way up to today's game, which starts in about a half an hour from now, and I'll probably be reacting to it in the beginning of the game before we end today's episode. Obviously, you guys already know the outcome listening to the show tonight, but at the time I'm recording right now, the game is still about a half an hour away from starting. But I have successfully predicted the outcome of every game since Wednesday all the way up to today, and basically all of the details that I've predicted to happen in every game as well, so I'm on a hot streak with this. And I do hope that that continues today. Of course, when I make those predictions, the most important part to get right for me personally, if nothing else, is just the wins. As long as I predict the wins or the losses correctly. Getting the nitty-gritty details within the game correct is just a bonus. But I am on a hot streak with that. I have been since Wednesday. And when it comes to this past week's action, again, we'll recap it all in the weekly recap segment to end the show as always. And by the way, that hot streak is just one of many reasons that, again, you should follow me on social media. Because that's where I made my predictions. And you know what? Hell, I'm going to do another social media plug. Shameless plug yet again. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero. And why? Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds97. You gotta love those shameless plugs. So that's what's ahead for today's show. But first, as usual, we have a poll this week, and it has to do with 21 year old starting pitching stud Davey Garcia who we've seen start three games now, and he has looked downright fantastic. And because of how fantastic he's been, and since the playoffs are merely two and a half weeks away, give or take, and in light of the recent James Paxton update too, which we'll also expand upon in Yankees news after the poll segment, all of these factors inspired this week's poll question. So let's dive right in, guys. We'll start on Twitter as always. And this week's question is, if Paxton definitely never returns this year, are you fully confident in handing the three spot in the rotation to Davey Garcia for the playoffs? And of course, give me your thoughts below for your shout out on the show, which as always, many of you did. And we'll probably read about 10 to 15 replies as usual. And on Twitter, I gave you guys three choices to choose from. On Instagram, I only gave you two, obviously being yes or no. But on Twitter, I gave you more choices. I gave you three. And the first choice is absolutely you would give him the three spot in the rotation for the playoffs. The second choice is that you're not sure. And the third choice is no, you would not give him that spot in the rotation for the playoffs. And of those three choices, the winning choice of absolutely earned 68% of the vote. 25% of you said you're not sure whether or not you give him the spot for the playoffs. And only 7% of you voted no on Twitter that you would not give Davey Garcia the three spot for the playoffs. Now, me personally, I have absolutely loved what we've seen from Davey Garcia so far. As of now, I've loved everything we've seen. Of course, you have his stuff, that fastball that can range anywhere from 90 or 91 miles an hour to 95, 96 if he ramps it up high enough. A really good changeup, a great off-speed pitch, and that big, slow curveball that's about a 20-mile-per-hour drop, give or take, from the fastball. 
he'll throw that big hooking curve anywhere from like 73 to 75 miles an hour. And he really has a lot of hitters just looking really silly at the plate. And even more so than that, just his calm, his composure on the mound, no matter what's going on in the game, whether he just gave up a home run or if he's being so dominant on the mound that nobody is even reaching base against him, which we've seen many times so far, It just seems that he is always unfazed and always dialed in, always focused. And there just seems to be nothing that throws that off. This kid at the age of 21, unlike much of anyone I've seen, he just has this composure, this confidence, and competitive nature about him that's so rare, especially again for his age. And I really do think that so far, he's just been so special, and I hope it continues going forward. And if it does, I think it's basically a lock, especially if Paxton doesn't return this year, that he should get a postseason opportunity. Even last week, I was talking up Davey Garcia a whole lot. I really was. But this week, even more so after we got to see him pitch yet again on Wednesday against the Blue Jays. And he again just showed us more of that composure and more of his killer arsenal of pitching. So truthfully, if he continues to show us this consistency, if he stays healthy, if Paxton doesn't return, and if you're not giving that spot to a Hap or a Montgomery, if you think one of those guys or both of them are better out in the bullpen for long relief for the postseason, then hell yeah, you better believe I'm giving that spot to Davey for the playoffs. And I'm glad to give him that opportunity, especially in a season like this. So I would be one of the voters in this case who voted for absolutely. But of course, there's still two weeks left in the season and quite a bit obviously can happen in that time span from more news about James Paxton. Something could, God forbid, happen to Davey Garcia injury-wise or he just really takes a turn for the worse in his starts, which again, I really hope doesn't happen. But I'm just saying, in these next two weeks, quite a bit could happen. But this poll has to do with what you would say right now. And right now, I'm saying, yeah, I would give it to him. And 68% of you agree with me. So let's get down to the comments and hear what you guys have to say. We'll do about 10 to 15 of these as usual. First up, we have at TJT Whitting here. And he says, as long as he keeps getting out there and keeps proving himself, then he deserves it. Yeah, I gotta agree with that. If you prove yourself, then yeah, you deserve the spot. At Tegan Graham 23 says, even if Paxton comes back, I would still be confident with Davey in the three spot. Paxton just hasn't proven any growth this year, and who knows where he'll be at with the injuries. Davey has proven everything he needs to prove at the big league level. Yes, Davey has certainly been impressive, but again, it is only three starts, even though yes, again, I would give him that spot as well. But I do also want to see a little bit more of him because, again, he's only had three starts. But yes, he has proven a lot already in those three starts. That he has the composure that you need for the big leagues. And also, he definitely has the stuff. And it's nice to say that at such a young age, I can already say that I think this kid is going to be really special in the future. I think he's the real deal. And yes, you're right. Even if Paxton does come back, you don't know what the deal is going to be with his injury, if he might re-injure himself, God forbid, or if he's even ready to retake a rotation spot. Because obviously, there are only two weeks left in the season right now with the playoffs just around the corner. You don't know how stretched out he's going to be, if he's even stretched out enough to retake a rotation spot. And if he is, how effective will he be? It's just a lot of questions already as it is, let alone time just really not being on Paxton's side, obviously. I could definitely see him, because of the short time there is to come back, I could definitely see him in more of a bullpen role, maybe as long relief. Or maybe they can get him back by the playoffs, but you'd be throwing him in cold right into the postseason, and how effective would he be at the end of the day? As I said, we don't know. A lot can happen these next two weeks, but as far as showing growth... 
Paxton did show some starts this year, maybe just a couple where his stuff was good, but obviously you had the huge drop in fastball velocity, the breaking balls were not very competitive, and if they were, they were right down the middle. And for most of his starts, more often than not, he struggled. And the fastball did uptick a little bit before he got hurt, but again, him getting hurt, and he's out for a while already, it really takes away any chance of showing any growth when you're not playing. So, you can blame the injury to a certain degree for him not showing much growth, but yeah, he did only have a couple of starts where he showed his stuff might have been coming back a little bit. So yeah, obviously there are a lot of factors and a lot of questions when it comes to Paxton. I mean, I've laid it all out for you here. But yes, in just three starts so far, and hopefully this continues on, Davey Garcia has proven an awful lot. At Laker477 says, I'm not sure. He definitely has the composure and confidence you want in a number three starter, and he has pitched great, but I don't think we've seen enough of him to make that call just yet. Time will tell. And yes, as I said before, that's completely fair, because we have only seen three starts, there are still two weeks left in the season, and a lot can happen in that time span. So, as I said before, wanting to see more is completely fair, and I understand the people saying they're just not really sure yet. But yes, you're also right about his composure and his confidence, as I spoke about before, and he really has done great so far. At Laura underscore Icemont says, I would. He's proven himself so far, and I cannot wait to see what else is in store for him. I can't wait either. I can't wait for these last two weeks, not only for Davey, but for the Yankees overall with things seemingly turning around now. But with Davey, yes, in just three starts, he's proven so much, and I cannot wait to see what lies ahead for the kid. At MountainGal456 says, I'd miss Paxton, but I'm very impressed with Davey. He seems to be very confident in himself and on the mound. Also, he has great stuff. No problem with him in the three spot at all. Absolutely agree with that. And yes, you would miss Paxton, especially because of what he used to be, particularly like in game five of the ALCS. And in a game like that and others, we've seen what Paxton is like when he's on the money. He's really, really nice to have on the mound. But as you say, if he's not an option, then Davey is definitely a good fallback because again, like you say, he seems to be very confident in himself and on the mound. And obviously from what I said before, I completely agree with that. And despite how young he is, and despite us only seeing three starts, I would also feel pretty comfortable with giving him that spot. I would. At Zalman888 says he's special. He definitely is. I agree. At Dominic Rucco says, kid seems to have nerves of steel. Love seeing that confidence in a 21-year-old. Give him the ball for game three. Now, he absolutely has nerves of steel. He has proven that so far, just with his composure and his confidence on the mound. We've spoken about it. It is so rare, especially for someone as young as 21 years old. And I hate to make it like a thing from last year when Glaber Torres was doing as great as he was and everybody was like, oh, he's only 22. How old is Glaber Torres? How old is he? Oh, yeah, he's 22. He's 22. <laughs> and it's looking like it's shaping up to be that way with Davey Garcia saying, oh, how old is he? How old is he? 21? But what do you want? It's the truth. At 21 years old, he's shown unbelievable confidence and stuff so far. All right. At C Pizza IA says, what are the options? Hap? Montgomery? Whoever's best down the stretch gets the nod, I'll guess. Well, yeah, I'd say that's fair. I think whoever's best down the stretch could get the nod, yeah. I could see the Yankees going down that route, but with how good Davey Garcia has been so far, if he continues on that trend for the rest of the way, it might be tough not to give him the ball. I think the only way you don't give him the ball at that point, if it is to turn out that way, is just by saying that Happ and Montgomery have more experience on the mound in general and that they trust them more. But again, with the composure and the confidence that he's already displayed at such a young age, and with his dominating arsenal of pitching that he showed us so far, if he continues to show all of that up until the very end, it's going to be tough not to give him the ball. At Peace Now For Life says, I say give the ball to the kid. 
He looks great, and his confidence is impressive. He's got good stuff. Let him prove himself in a big spot. Absolutely agree. And in some big spots, he's already proven himself just in the regular season so far. And I know the regular season, especially this regular season, is a completely different animal than the postseason. But in these stretches of horrible games going back the last few weeks, obviously before the last few days, Davey Garcia has stepped on the mound in huge games where the Yankees need a great start, and he's done that. This past Wednesday just being one of them. So he's already answered in some big spots, and whether he can or not in the playoffs, that's another story. But as of now, we believe in the kid because of what he's shown us. At least it seems a lot of people do, I think that's safe to say. At NYYFanForever96 says, he showed us promise, so I would say yes. He definitely has showed us promise so far. I love watching the kid work. At Blue Russian 35 says, yes, I would. The yes guys were talking about his makeup and how he isn't phased by anything. He has the stuff. It's a corona season anyway. If he's one of the best, we have to give him the shot. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about, how he just doesn't seem to be phased by anything. As I said before, whether he just gave up a home run, or if he's being as dominant as ever, he has that same look of determination and confidence on his face. He's completely unfazed. And yes, as I said before, because of the season that it is, especially this season, if he deserves the shot, if he continues to be this dominant, especially down the stretch, then yeah, give him the ball. And by the way, I do think that Happ and Montgomery, especially Happ right now, I can actually see them being pretty vital in a long relief role in the bullpen, maybe being able to throw two, three innings when the Yankees really need it. So that's how I feel. But yeah, I agree with that. At Black Rebirth 52 says, give it to the kid, honestly. Garcia showed promise. Well, yeah, he definitely has, and I hope he continues to going forward. At C. Dixon 25 says, Garcia is built for a postseason in pinstripes. Not only does he bring this stuff, his unshakable focus is impressive. He doesn't feel pressure. Absolutely. That's what we've been saying this whole time. I could not agree more with that. Confidence and composure definitely makes you feel better about somebody, especially when it comes to an atmosphere like the playoffs. Granted, again, it's different because of the season we have and the fact that no fans are in attendance. So just like it's been a season we've never seen before, it's going to be a postseason like we've never seen before. But still, the pressure and the importance of it is still there. And when you have a guy with the composure and the confidence that Davey Garcia has shown so far, it makes you that much more confident when you trust him with the ball in Game 3. At Alex BHLZ says, I'd give him another start or two before making that decision. Could always roll with him and have Hap as backup. Absolutely, that's what we said before. Maybe even if Davey Garcia does get the ball and you have Hap or Montgomery or both of them in the bullpen for long relief, then you have them as backups and to bring them in the game if you really need them. Or just in general, if you'd rather give the ball to Hap, then obviously that's another option too. Obviously, if you're sitting and thinking about it, you probably don't want to give Hap the ball in many postseason appearances at all. But yeah, hopefully that next start or two before the season ends just solidifies our confidence in him and results in the Yankees giving him the ball in Game 3 if need be. And I say if need be because we don't know if the Yankees are going to be playing the wild card round or just go right into the DS because obviously the postseason seeding is not final yet. And if they do go into the wild card round best of three, then of course they could just win the first two and not have to use Davey Garcia in Game 3 at all for that round. But I digress. Up next is at Charlie Ricker 24 and Charlie says, yes, no question, for being as young as he is, Davey pitches with the confidence and mound presence of a seasoned veteran. Yep, he absolutely does. That's what we've been saying, and it's beyond impressive. At Yankees, John says, Paxton has no shot to return as a starter this year. The time frame to get properly stretched out has passed. Yes, this is what I was talking about earlier, because honestly, the future is very uncertain for Paxton. As we'll get to later on, we're going to expand upon this in Yankees news, as I said, but the Yankees seem to have a little bit of confidence, at least, that they could get him back before the end of the season, despite the latest update on him, which is... Uh, it's iffy. 
But as we said before, and as you're saying too, there are only two weeks left and time is not on his side to both recover and get stretched out properly enough to actually take a place again in the rotation. So yeah, obviously, it's not only very possible that we don't see Paxton for the rest of the year, but it's also very possible that if we do see him, he might just have to have sort of a bullpen role, maybe long relief, because they might not be able to get him stretched out in the short time span, let alone just throwing him into the playoffs cold right back into the rotation after not pitching for some time now, for weeks and weeks. So I could agree with the fact that he is probably not going to return as a starter for the rest of this season and maybe even the postseason. At W Cordero 28 says, the kid reminds me of a young Andy Pettit. Enough said. Well, obviously, yeah, if anybody reminds you of Andy Pettit, you really like that. You definitely want that kind of skill and composure on the mound. But that's definitely a new one. I've heard a lot of comparisons to Pedro Martinez, for instance, and so has Davey Garcia. He's really taken that comparison in stride. But yeah, Andy Pettit, I haven't heard that one yet. It's very interesting. At FinsUpDW1 says, Great mental toughness. Unshakable. Absolutely. He's completely unfazed, as we've been saying, no matter what's going on in the game. Alright, we got a few more, and I'm sorry for those who I'm not getting to as always, but we're going to finish up with this one at Garris925, and he says, yes, definitely. Davey shows that he is confident. The more innings he gets, the better he will become. Well, yeah, definitely lots of confidence, and I hope that that does happen down the stretch here. I hope Davey continues to be just as dominant as he has been, or if it's even possible, even more dominant. But obviously, we love what we've seen from the kids so far. I think at the very least, we could all agree on that. But as for Twitter, that is all for today's replies. As always, thank you all for the poll interactions on there. Let's head on to Instagram before we wrap up this week's poll segment, see what the results were for the question on there, and we'll read out a couple of replies before moving on to Yankees news. And obviously, the same question applies on Instagram. If Paxton definitely never returns this year, are you fully confident in handing the three spot in the rotation to Davey Garcia for the playoffs? And just like on Twitter, there are a lot of people who believe in Davey Garcia, even if it means handing him a rotation spot in something as important as the postseason, because 63% of you who voted on Instagram voted that you would give him the rotation spot for the playoffs, that three spot. So the choice of yes was victorious on Instagram, 63% of you voted for that, and only 37% of you voted for the fact that you would not give him that three spot in the playoffs. And as I said, we have some replies on Instagram. Let's read a couple of them. Up first is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and she says, the kid is a prodigy. He really does seem to be a young pitching prodigy. The kid is really special, so I completely agree there. Up next, we had Sayesh2914 on Instagram, and he said no, and the Yanks won't do it either. They always lean towards experience during the playoffs. Well, yes, during the Twitter replies, I actually mentioned that as a possibility if they don't end up going with Davey Garcia because they could just decide, well, you know what? Jay Happ and Montgomery in general happen to have more experience on the mound, and they might choose to trust that more than handing the ball to a 21-year-old. I definitely could see the Yankees going down that route. It's certainly a possibility. And last but not least, as always, we'll finish up the Instagram replies and wrap up the poll segment overall with my mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, if he can keep getting the job done for his last couple of starts like he has so far, and he can stick around and not get hurt like glass, then absolutely. The Yankees need consistency and guys who will stay healthy. Hmm. I can't much argue with that, can you? (laughs) I can't. But yeah, absolutely. If he continues to show what he's done these last three starts for this final two-week stretch coming down the road, and yes, when it comes to the Yankees, most importantly, if he can stay healthy, yeah, 
I agree, Mom. You hit the nail on the head, I think. And with that being said, that is all for this week's poll segment, guys. As always, I want to thank all of you so much for taking the time to join in on the fun with this week's Yap and Yankees poll. I greatly appreciate all the interactions. You know that. And you know the drill. If I didn't get to you, just comment on a future poll and I will get to your response in the future. But as of today, the responses were great. We believe in our boy, David Garcia. And we're keeping that positive energy going, not only for him, but as you'll hear even more so in Yankees news and weekly recap, but for the Yankees overall, since things seem to be taking a positive turn. Finally, it's only been about three or four weeks, right? (laughs) But things are taking a turn for the better. And let's expand upon that even more so with some Yankees news. And we begin with some news back on Monday, six days ago, having to do with John Carlos Stanton. He was running the bases. He hit off a machine and he was throwing at Yankee Stadium. He was doing plenty of activity. And at the time, of course, we have different information now, which we'll say in just a bit. But Boone at the time said that there was no definitive timetable still for his return, which made no sense because up to that point, he has been hurt with this hamstring injury for over four weeks. And I was just sitting there saying, how after that long do you still not have even a thought of when the person can come back? So I just thought that was pretty crazy. And of course, I was relieved to hear the updated information later on in the week, as recently as just a couple of days ago. But I was just wondering in my mind, how could you not know anything yet by now? That's just wild. And it's a good thing that as of right now, we obviously have more information on it. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves in Yankees news. Let's move on to Tuesday. And really quickly, I do just want to mention this, that it was Garrett Cole's 30th birthday on Tuesday. Want to wish the Yankees' new ace a happy 30th birthday. And now since it's Sunday, it's obviously a belated birthday. But nonetheless, happy 30th birthday to the Yankees' new ace, Garrett Cole. Obviously so glad he's a Yankee to this day, and sometimes I still question whether or not it even is reality. (laughs) But then Wednesday came around, and not only would this be the start of things turning around for the Yankees, it would be the start of their current five-game winning streak, but also... Aaron Judge was running around and working out more at Yankee Stadium, so obviously any and all news of Aaron Judge recovering is welcomed and encouraged at all times. As far as other things happening on Wednesday, this had to do with the game that night, but also the Yankees optioned outfielder Estevan Florial to the alternate site and recalled Davey Garcia from the alternate site to make his start on Wednesday night, and we said the Yankees would call him back up, so this was the official move to do so. So he did make his start on Wednesday night, and obviously... Obviously, we all know how that went. It went very well, and we'll get into that later in recap. On Thursday, the Yankees made a signing. They signed left-handed pitcher Ryan Buchter to a minor league contract and added him to the 60-man roster and assigned him to the alternate site. And it seems like a depth move for the 60-player pool, especially since they did release Adonis Rosa last week, as we said last Sunday. Could be because of that. So now the Yanks have Buchter at the alternate site, and just as a little history on him, he's been around as a bullpen arm in the majors. He's been in the major league since 2014. He was with the Braves, the Padres, the Royals. The A's, the Angels, and now the Yanks. So we'll see what role, if any, he has with the Yankees going forward. And also on Thursday, Gio Urshela hit on the field at Yankee Stadium. So he did some hitting, and Boone said that he expects Gio to be activated as soon as he's eligible, which is in just two days on Tuesday. So that is obviously awesome. You cannot possibly overstate Gio Rochella's importance to this team, both offensively and defensively, so it will be a huge boost to have him back. 
I cannot wait to have his bat in the lineup and his glove back at third. And DJ's been doing fine at third in his absence. I'm not negatively critiquing DJ's performance at third by saying, thank God Gio's coming back. And I don't really know what's going to be in Miguel Andujar's future later on because that's another name that obviously takes more opportunities away from him. And Miggy's been hitting really well lately. But still, even with both of those thoughts in mind, the Yanks obviously need Gio Urshela. And they're obviously thrilled to add him back to the roster, as am I. And when he does come back, I'm hoping and praying that we see either Tyler Wade or Thyro Estrada sent back to the alternate site because I have had enough of watching them play. So I'm almost positive that one of those two will be the ones to go back since Andujar has been hitting so well lately and I think he's at least a good piece to have going around with the team even if he doesn't get as much playing time once Gio returns. He's still a good option to have on the bench and lately, obviously, neither Tyler Wade nor Thyro Estrada have offered much to this team. So we'll see how the Yankees handle this going forward, but it goes without saying that I am thrilled that Gio is coming back. And thankfully, just as I'd hoped for on last week's episode, it was the minimum amount of time on the IL. Just as soon as he's eligible, he's coming back. And now, just like Gio Rochella, I too am a happy fella. But unfortunately, there is the other side of the coin too. Later on in the day, there was also some bad news that Boone gave on WFAN a little bit later that day. And that news was about James Paxton, which obviously we briefly mentioned back in the poll segment, but we'll expand a little bit more on it right now. And that news was that Pax had a setback in his recovery. He was continuing to throw the day prior on Wednesday, and we know he's been working out and throwing again these last two weeks or so, give or take, in hopes of coming back before the end of the season. And when throwing on Wednesday, he again experienced soreness with the flexor strain injury. So, he took a couple of days off from throwing altogether, and now, whether he returns before the end of the season or not is up in the air, but it's not looking good. Obviously, not good news for the rotation. Granted, Pax obviously wasn't having a great season, but even without that, you still don't want to hear this regardless because you don't want to hear about injuries at all, let alone like this during a 60-game season when guys are probably expecting to make it through since it's significantly shorter this year. And because we know, as I said before, what Pax could bring to the rotation when he's on the money. So, it really sucks for Pax. We'll see if we get to have Pax take a mound again in a game in 2020, even if it's out in the bullpen. Because obviously, as we also said before in the poll segment, with only two weeks left in the season, time is not on his side when it comes to recovering and being well enough to pitch and being stretched out enough to start games again. So, we'll see how these next two weeks go for Pax. And on Friday, prior to the doubleheader, the Yankees did appoint Brooks Krisky as their quote-unquote 29th man on the roster, as they'd done a couple of times before when they were using Davey Garcia in doubleheaders, so that was obviously to provide another arm out there in the bullpen for the doubleheader, and there was more positive injury news. So after they appointed Brooks Krisky on Friday as their 29th man, the Yankees gave an injury update on Jonathan Lewisaga after his mysterious illness that wasn't COVID, but apparently he is feeling better, he's throwing what I believe is his second bullpen today, and we can expect him to be reactivated on Tuesday alongside Gio Urshela. So there's two more names to add to the list of returns. I like it. I like it a lot. 
Obviously, you like Loisaga out there in the bullpen for that long relief, and also we've seen him in the opener role whenever the Yankees want to start an opener. So he has an important role in this team, so it's definitely a big deal that he is returning to. But that's not all as far as the good injury news. As I said before, with what I said earlier, that wasn't all the news on Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, because it turns out, recently in the last couple of days, the Yankees did decide a timetable, not only for Stanton's return, but for Aaron Judge's as well. As they've been continuing to work out, Aaron Boone said that we should be getting both Judge and Stanton by this coming weekend in just a few days. So this obviously capitalizes on what's already been a fantastic few days for the New York Yankees. They're on a five-game winning streak right now. They're getting Gio Rochella and Jonathan Luizica back in two days. And by week's end, we will also see Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton back as well. Unbelievable. It does seem like, after all, as we had hoped, things may be taking a turn for the better for the New York Yankees. So as I said before, with the exception of the one piece of bad news when it comes to James Paxton, there are a ton of positives to take away from this past week's injury update. And you've got to love every bit of it. And you should take my word for it considering how hot I've been with my social media predictions the last few games, but I just get the feeling that these next couple of weeks of Yankees baseball are going to be really, really good. And all who are returning, Gio, Judge, Stanton, Luizica, you guys better stay healthy going forward. For the love of God, for the sake of my sanity, you better stay healthy. Luizica is a different story because it just sounded like he had an illness, like he was just sick. So when it comes to actual injuries like Judge, Stanton, and Gio, if you know what's good for you, (laughs) if you know what's good for you, you better stay healthy. No matter how much they say they can, and I know there are not many people left who say they can, But nobody in this fan base can take these injuries anymore. Nobody can take it anymore. So just do us all a favor and stay on the field. You look at the seasons these guys were having before they got hurt, especially Judge and Stanton, both of them, the seasons they were having. That's why it drives you so nuts when they get hurt. So they just have to stay healthy. They have to. You hear that, boys? Stay healthy. Otherwise, the temper tantrum on yapping Yankees that particular week is not going to be fun. I mean, it'll be fun for all of you because you guys love when I rant. I've gotten so much positive feedback on that, but it's not good both for my well-being and also the fact that I kind of aspire to go into my 40s maybe without a strand of gray hair. That'd be nice. So Aaron and Giancarlo, I'm counting on you guys. Don't let me down and don't let my hair down either. But as I said before, guys, the Yankees are riding a four-game winning streak. There is plenty to talk about as far as the positive turnaround we've seen, the changes we've seen in this team the last five days or so, and I hope we continue to see that when today's game starts shortly. But let's get into it all on Weekly Recap here. We'll recap this past week's action because there's just so much good. But as I said earlier, the week basically started off picking up where we left off from last week's episode. It still started off badly on Monday and Tuesday against the Blue Jays. Wednesday started the turnaround behind another good start by Davey Garcia. We've seen how much of a difference it makes when Glaber puts on a pair of glasses. Glasses Glaber, as they call him. He's been a treat to watch at the plate since he's returned. Picking up where he left off before he got hurt, because if you remember, before Glaber got injured, he was starting to heat up. We've seen the offense wake up a bit. We've seen better performances from the starting pitching. We've seen the bullpen be effective again. So from this past week, particularly starting on Wednesday, there are plenty of positive takeaways. So let's get to recapping this past week's action. Obviously, if you remember from last week's episode on Sunday, when the recording ended, the game was obviously not nearly over yet. The Yankees were playing the final game in Baltimore, and at the time, they were losing 2-1. to 
Unfortunately, the Yankees would go on to lose that game as I expected they would. I already wasn't too happy that Glaber got that day off just a day after he returned from the IL. I think that could have made a difference. We'll obviously never know for sure because he didn't end up being in the starting lineup that day as we discussed last week. He did end up pinch hitting later on, but who knows the differences he could have made in the lineup if he were in it from the start. And it's a safe assumption to make considering how he murders Baltimore, especially in Camden Yards. And although the Yankees would go on to lose that game by a score of 5-1, to one, after the two-run homer given up by Tanaka in the first, Tanaka really settled down after that. He ended up going five and a third. He pitched scoreless second, third, fourth, and fifth innings, and when he was working in the sixth inning, two runs came in off of Luis Sessa when Tanaka had already come out of the game in that inning. And although the two runs that came home were on Massa's card, they weren't earned because before that, the inning started with an error by Miguel Andujar. So that error automatically made those two runners on base unearned if they were to come home to score, and of course they did. So although four runs are on Masahiro Tanaka's card for that day, only two of them were earned. And he did have himself a nice start, as we let off with at the end of last week's recording. It was 2-1. to one. It was like that all the way until the 6th, as I just said. And the offense that day, again, just didn't have his back at all. Dean Kramer for the Orioles, as I said, he's a brand new kid making his Major League debut, and we know how the Yankees do against brand new kids on the mound. They usually have no answers, and they didn't have any answers for him again on Sunday last week. So he pitched a nice game. The Yankee offense did not have Masahiro Tanaka's back whatsoever. And as I said earlier, in the bottom of the sixth, those two unearned runs would score for the Orioles to make it 4-1. to one. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Ryan Mountcastle, who really had himself a series against the Yankees. He hit a sacrifice fly to make it 5-1 to one Baltimore, and then they would go on to win by that score. So the Yankee offense that day, again, quiet. Their losing streak would continue. And a pretty good start by Tanaka was wasted, and he took a loss for it. So after a really bad series in Baltimore, a bad weekend series in Camden Yards like the Yankees have not seen in a long time. The Yankees would move on to Buffalo to face the Toronto Blue Jays. We all know the story with that, how Canada didn't want the Major League Baseball teams visiting the Blue Jays in Rogers Center in Canada, so the Blue Jays had to find a new stadium to play in, and a mere couple of days before the season started, we know that it was chosen that they would play in Buffalo. So that's where the Yankees would head to play them on the road. And for the first two games of the series, at least, in Buffalo against the Blue Jays, the Yankees' woes from the weekend against Baltimore would continue. Especially... Oh God, especially the first night when it seemed like the Yankees had really come out, made a statement, the offense was back, and all the bullpen had to do was hold it. Jordan Montgomery started this game, and although he wasn't great at all, he really labored through, and I appreciate the laboring through. When a pitcher battles, it really says a lot about them, because obviously a pitcher's not going to have their stuff every time they go out there, and sometimes they have to labor through it. And that's what Montgomery had to do. He only made it through three and a third, only allowed two runs, only struck out one, gave up six hits in that time, and quite frankly, He's lucky he didn't give up more than that because if you watched the game, you would know that a lot of his outs were really hard hit right to people. So it wasn't a fun night for Montgomery, but he got them through, only allowed two runs. The bullpen took over after that. Jonathan Holder, who has surprisingly been very good lately, his ERA is in like the low twos now. 2020, I tell you. But he took over after Montgomery and pitched an inning in two-thirds, struck out two, and did not allow a run. So Montgomery and Jonathan Holder combined just allowed two runs, taking the Yankees into the sixth inning, at which point, after the top of the sixth, the Yankees had a 6-2 to lead. 
You think now, okay, they have Chad Green, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, and Aroldis Chapman. They'll hold this down and get a big win here in the first game of the series, but that is not how it went whatsoever. And again, it goes back to what we were saying last week about even the bullpen, which is considered to be such a strength for the Yankees, again, continuously failing. And what I said on last week's Yapping Yankees, I was one of the first to say this, and it came to fruition yet again in the beginning of this past week. It seemed that when one aspect of the Yankees team was on, the other had to be off. When the offense was on, the starters or the bullpen or both of them just pitching overall had to be off and vice versa. Whenever the starters and or the bullpen are feeling it, then the offense has to be off. It just seemed like this team was not in sync. I said it last week. They were not playing like a team. And that's just what happens when a slump gets bad enough. Nobody's on the same page, and when one side of the team works, the other side collapses, and vice versa. And Monday night was a fine example of that. The offense wakes up, scores six runs for you, and then the bullpen has to implode. And it was going really well. I mean, right away in the top of the first, Luke Voigt and Aaron Hicks, both with solo shots to start the game. It's 2-0. But then in the bottom of the first, the Blue Jays answered right back with an RBI double by Rowdy Telez. And then in the bottom of the second, Santiago Espinal hit an RBI single, so the game was tied at two. But then in the top of the fourth, that's when the Yankees woke up and you really said, huh, I think they're actually going to win this game and make a big statement against Toronto who, as I said before the season even started, is a really promising young core, and we should be worried about them, and here we are at the end of the season, in the middle of playing them 10 times, and we're in an all-out battle for second place in the AL East. Even with the Blue Jays not having Bo Bichette in this past series. He's back right now, as the Mets have been taking them on this weekend, but in this past week's series against the Yankees, the Blue Jays didn't have him. He had been hurt for some time. So again, what I said ended up coming true. I didn't expect the Yankees to get to this point after being as bad as they were, but I did say the Blue Jays would end up being a threat. And right now, they are. They're in an all-out brawl for second place. And coming into today, only a half a game separates them. And it's even more massive when it comes to the postseason seeding, which we'll get to in just a bit. But yes, as always, I digress. In the top of the fourth, though, this is when the Yankees really started to take over. And this was the point when you said, huh, I think the Yankees are going to win this game. Miguel Andujar, who, as we mentioned before, has been hitting really, really well since coming back and getting more playing time. He hit a solo shot in the top of the fourth to give the Yankees a 3-2 lead. And then Clint Frazier, continuing his hot ways as well. Two-run double makes it 5-2. Aaron Hicks walked in a run with the bases loaded. And this is the point where the Yankees had their 6-2 lead with Chad Green coming in. And you're saying, well, we're in the home stretch now. It's only a matter of time until we win this game. (laughs) That would not be what happened. Because as I said earlier, this would be the time where Chad Green and Adam Adovino after him just had an all-out meltdown. And it certainly didn't help that the first run scored by the Blue Jays in that inning was on an error by Luke Voigt over at first, but my god, did it all just collapse all on its own right after that. Chad Green and Adam Adovino just came apart afterwards. After that error made it 6-3 Yankees, a two-run single by Vlad Guerrero Jr. made it 6-5, Lourdes Goriel Jr. made it 6-6 on an RBI single, so the game was tied, and then after this, this is when it just got piled on even more. Not only did they blow the four-run lead, but they kept on going and added insult to injury. Travis Shaw, two-run single, made it 8-6. Then after that, the big blow off Adam Adovino. Danny Jansen, the Blue Jays catcher, not one of the best hitters in their lineup to say the least. He hit a grand slam to left center field off of a clearly exhausted and unraveled Adam Adovino to make it 12 to six. And at this point, after giving up a 10 spot, 
with Chad Green and Adam Adovino, no less, you're just sitting there as a Yankee fan saying, what is wrong with my team? They're coming apart. They've been playing horribly, and they just blew this lead yet again. A four-run lead with Chad Green and Adovino on the mound, and then allowed six more runs after that. And the Yanks would add one more on an RBI ground out by Miguel Andujar in the top of the ninth, and the Yankees would go on to lose 12-7, but my god, was it just an awful, awful loss. Winning 6-2, Chad Green and Adovino on the mound. They just both unraveled. It was really the third time this season that happened to Chad, but Adovino too, who has just really not looked fantastic this year. And especially after losing Canely, it is paramount that Adovino be as good as he can be. But my God, was it awful. Blowing the lead and then allowing them to score six more after that. A 10-run spot in the bottom of the sixth. And all of us Yankee fans, I think it's safe to say we're just beside ourselves. So a horrible loss, and morale both in the fan base and the team too, I think it's fair to say, were just at an all-time low. And if they lost the next day, they would be at 500. 500! The New York Yankees, 500. And that is exactly what would happen. And unfortunately, after a really good start by Jay Happ, who had a nice bounce back after his start against the Mets, Happ went six and a third, struck out 10 guys, and only gave up two runs on a two-run shot given up in the bottom of the second. But the Yankee offense didn't have his back. Another example of what I said before, how all aspects of the team could not work together on a single day at all. The day before, the offense was on and the pitching failed. The very next day with Happ on the mound, the pitching was on and the offense goes to sleep. Role reversal. Just downright infuriating. So Jay Happ bounces back very nicely, has himself a phenomenal start, six and a third, two runs, ten strikeouts. You'll take that start from Happ at any time, and I hope he continues to be that good against the Orioles in today's game, but that's besides the point. Regardless of how tough I've been on Jay Happ in the past, which it's been rightfully so when I have been, I want the guy to do well. He's one of the Yankees starters, and he's making $17 million. You want him to do well. And he did on Tuesday night, but the bats couldn't back him up. He gave up that one two-run shot to Jonathan Davis in the bottom of the second to make it 2-0 Toronto. Mike Talkman hit a sacrifice fly, who Mike Talkman has just been another one to dreadfully watch this year. God, what a regression from last year. In the top of the fifth, Talkman would hit a sacrifice fly to give the Yankees their one and only run on the night. It would be 2-1 to one Blue Jays at that point, and that would be the score that the Blue Jays win by, and they would go into Wednesday looking for the sweep of the Yankees as the Yankees just continue to fall both in the AL East and in the postseason seeding. And at this point, the Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles were only a half a game behind the eight seed for the postseason seeding, and potentially falling out of the seeding continued to look more and more realistic for the Yankees. And Brian Cashman actually also met with the Yankees prior to Tuesday's game because of how bad things were with the Yankees, especially after Monday when they blew that lead and lost 12-7 to after giving up that 10 spot in the bottom of the sixth as well. And as you can hear after recapping that game, believe it or not, it seemed like Jay Happ was the only one listening in that meeting. Fortunately, though, as I mentioned before, Wednesday would be the start of the turnaround. 
led by 21-year-old Davy Garcia, who had been called back up from the alternate site and was ready to come up in this very, very big spot for the Yankees and lead them to victory to avoid the sweep and salvage a game out of this three-game set against the Blue Jays. So Davey would return. He would throw seven innings of two-run ball, only giving up a two-run shot on the evening, striking out six, driving his ERA down to 306, and earning his first major league victory. So congratulations to Davey Garcia on getting his first win. He really deserved to get it in his first start, as I mentioned last week. But nonetheless, on Wednesday night, when he also deserved it, he was able to earn his first major league victory. Seven innings, striking out six, just two runs ball, and he just continues to be absolutely fantastic, as we've been talking about. And you'll notice on this night that the Yankees got their first of what would be this current four-game winning streak, that this victory was as a result of all aspects of the team being on the money. The starting pitching, the bullpen after Garcia was done, and the offense did its job. In the top of the second, Glaber Torres would hit a solo shot to get the Yankees on the board one to nothing his first home run since returning from the injured list, and this would also be the start of Glasses Glaber, because this was the first time we really noticed he was wearing glasses, and that it may be making a big difference, because from this point forward, he would really continue his hot streak. So this solo shot would start the phenomenon known as Glasses Glaber. He would get the Yankees on the board one to nothing, and then Derek Fisher hit a two-run shot off of Davey Garcia in the bottom of the second, giving the Blue Jays a two-to-one lead, but this would be the only two runs, of course, that Davey Garcia would give up, and the offense after that would have his back. In the top of the third, the Yankees would tie the game on a solo shot by DJ LeMahieu. In the top of the fifth, Luke Voigt would hit an RBI single to give the Yankees a three-to-two lead. They would never look back from this point. Glaber Torres again with the glasses on. Two-run double to give the Yankees a 5-2 lead. Clint Frazier in the top of the ninth would give the Yankees a 6-2 lead on an RBI single. And then after that to put a cap on the scoring for the night, Glaber Torres would hit a ground ball driving home Aaron Hicks to give the Yankees a 7-2 lead. Glaber drove in four of those seven runs and the offense woke back up and the Yankees would win by that score 7-2. So the trip back to New York on Thursday to play the Orioles for four games over the weekend must have been quite nice for them. Unfortunately, though, the weather would not be very nice to the Yankees because the rain would come in and postpone the game. So the Yankees and the Orioles were rained out on Thursday night, so they would get the night off, and they would play a seven-inning doubleheader the next day on Friday. Garrett Cole started the first game, and Tanaka started the second game. And as I said before, I had started these predictions saying that the Yankees would get on a winning streak starting on Wednesday night. I nailed my prediction then, and I would continue to nail my predictions all the way up to today and hope. Hopefully it'll continue today. And if you don't believe me, you could just check Twitter. But I got even more in-depth on my predicting for Thursday, especially for Game 1, saying that this would also be the first game, the first start, in which Garrett Cole does not give up a single home run this year. And as you know, that would come true, as would my prediction for the Yankees winning the first game. And not only did Garrett not give up a single home run, but he did not give up a single run or even a single hit until the fifth inning. So my boy Garrett comes through. He ended up pitching the whole game, seven innings. Because again, seven inning doubleheader, seven innings, two hits, only one walk, no runs, nine strikeouts. So a big, big start for Garrett Cole. And to say the least, a job well done. And the offense had his back. Finally. Because Garrett Cole's had his fair share of instances where the offense doesn't have his back either and doesn't give him much run support. 
As far as scoring, they would start off right away in game one in the bottom of the first with DJ LeMayhew hitting a leadoff home run, solo shot, made it one to nothing Yankees. And then shortly after that, just a couple of batters later, Brett Gardner would hit a two-run shot to make it three nothing after everybody was questioning why he was batting third nonetheless. He went and did that. Then in the bottom of the second, you knew things were going right for the Yankees because Kyle Higashioka, who never goes deep, hit a two-run shot to make it five nothing Yankees. And then in the bottom of the sixth, also another sign that things were going right because of how much he's regressed this year. Mike Talkman would hit an RBI single to make it 6-0 Yankees, and the Yankees would win game one by that score. So the offense did their job right from the get-go, and Garrett Cole just had himself an absolutely phenomenal start, which had to feel really good after that last infuriating start that he had in Baltimore when there was no run support for him, and it all just fell apart after Thyro Estrada's horrible error. So that had to feel really good, both for Garrett and the Yankees, especially heading into Game 2, where Masahiro Tanaka would be getting the ball, and he himself would have a fine start after I predicted yet another victory that would come true for the third game in a row. I just gotta give myself some pats on the back here. But Tanaka had himself a nice start, going five innings, only allowing one run and striking out five, so he more than did his job. And the Yankee offense would again come through, and even more so than Game 1, putting 10 runs on the board in seven innings, winning 10-1 in a game where, believe it or not, the Orioles were the first ones on the board. In the top of the first, DJ Stewart hit a solo shot off of Tanaka, and it was a bomb into the right center field bleachers, and that would be the one and only run that the Orioles get on Tanaka and throughout the whole game, because the Yankee offense would have Tanaka's back right after that. Clint Frazier drove in a run on a fielder's choice to tie it at one right away in the bottom of the first. Then Glaber Torres glasses Glaber for the love of God. RBI single to make it 2-1 Yankees. And then Miguel Andujar would continue his hitting. Miggy two bags is back with a two-run double to make it 4-1 Yankees. And then in the bottom of the fourth, the rest of the runs from here on out, six RBIs would come from none other than Luke Voigt, who comes into today tied for the lead league in home runs with 16. In the bottom of the fourth, he would hit his 15th home run, a three-run shot to put the Yankees ahead 7-1, to one. and then in the bottom of the fifth, the very next inning, he would come up to bat again with two runners on base and hit another three-run shot, six RBIs on the day, giving the Yankees a 10-1 to one lead, hitting his 16th home run, foot problems and all, he does not seem to care, and the Yankees would go on to win 10-1. to one. Luke Voigt, again, just proving to be an absolute warrior for weeks now. And we've mentioned this in the past on the show, too. He has been dealing with foot problems, apparently. Or so he and the Yankees have said. And you could see it, too, like when he was rounding the bases after his first home run of the day in Game 2 on Friday. It looked like he was making an effort to simply round the bases. He was wincing, he was limping a bit. But Luke doesn't care. He's a warrior. He goes out there the very next at-bat and hits another three-run homer. He doesn't care. He just does his thing. Since becoming a Yankee, in the amount of games he's played, he's been one of the best players. And they got this guy for virtually trading away Chase and Shreve. I mean, what a trade that was back in 2018 for the love of God himself. I've just got to say again and give credit to my boy Luke Voigt. What a blessing the guy has been. He's just incredible. And he's proving even more so this year just how much of a warrior he is. So God bless Luke Voigt. That's all I have to say about that. So the Yanks sweep the doubleheader and they head into Saturday riding a three-game winning streak. Doing their job against Baltimore after a mostly tough series against the Blue Jays. A series which, again... They 
they probably should have won at least two out of three had they not blown that first game. But now yesterday, on Saturday, taking the mound for the Yankees would be Jordan Montgomery after his really tough start that he labored through in Buffalo against Toronto. And guess what? He would also bounce back. He had himself a fantastic start that he unfortunately would just get a no decision for because as we know, the Yankees wouldn't score the winning run and win the game until the 10th inning yesterday. But Monty went five and two thirds Only one run crossed the plate while he was in, but it was an unearned run because of an error. And the Yankees made three errors yesterday afternoon. But the fielding error by Brett Gardner would make that run unearned. And from there, the bullpen, which has also been better recently, as I've said, held it down. Chad Green, a scoreless inning and a third. Zach Britton, a scoreless inning. Aroldis Chapman in the ninth, scoreless inning. Which there's also a bit of a funny story behind, which I'll mention in a second. But then, even in the top of the tenth, an extra inning, starting with a runner on second base, Jonathan Holder held it down. I know, it's the worst expression ever, but he held it down. I can't help myself with these cheap puns, alright? Leave me alone. But he held them down in the top of the tenth. So again, even the bullpen did their job, and even though the offense fell into a deep sleep after the first inning, they were still able to get it done just enough so they could squeak out a victory in the 10th. But before that, the only source of Yankees offense that came through was a sacrifice fly by Clint Frazier in the bottom of the first to make it one nothing. And then in the top of the sixth, this was the unearned run that would score and be charged to Montgomery, but not as an earned run, just a run that came home. Ryan Mountcastle hit an RBI single to make it one to one. And then in the bottom of the tenth, the Yankees would win it on the sacrifice fly by Luke Voigt after the wild pitch that had allowed DJ LeMahieu, who started the inning on second base because of the extra inning rule, to advance to third and then score on the sacrifice fly that. Deep sacrifice fly by Luke Voigt. But, (laughs) just by saying the word but, I'm already laughing. I guess I'll say however. (laughs) So, however, that is not the only story that came out of Saturday. Just a really quick little interlude, just for really good laughs, because it was hysterical, having to do with yesterday. So, as I mentioned... Aroldis Chapman pitched a scoreless ninth inning. But at first, it had people a little concerned because after a flyout, Boone and the training staff went out to check on Aroldis Chapman, who seemed to have been wincing at one point. So obviously, the first thing your mind drifts to is, oh God, another injury. (laughs) But that wasn't the case. In fact, it was far from it. And nobody even imagined this. Not even after when everybody went out to the mound to check on him, it seemed like they were all just like giggling and laughing with each other, but nobody expected this, and everybody was wondering about it. So in the post-game for Aaron Boone's manager report, when Boone was addressing the media on Zoom, Brian Hoke, who covers the Yankees, asked Aaron Boone, what was the deal with Aroldis Chapman when you guys went to check on him? Is he alright? Is he injured? What was the deal? And... This is what was said. Take a listen. Aaron, uh, what sent you to the mound for Chapman in the ninth inning? Why did you head out there? I was just checking on him. Um, what did you see, I guess? Um, he's fine. Okay. It, it seemed like... We'll leave it at that. Okay. After he got the out, he was kind of laughing. And he turned around to center field. What was going on with that? <laughs> he, he's fine. He's fine. Mother needs okay. to call sometimes. Oh. <laughs> okay. No follow-up. <laughs> no follow-up. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. What else can you say? I was crying laughing for about 10 whole minutes yesterday. So, Aroldis Chapman seems to have maybe slightly crapped his pants yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my God. So bizarre. I was laughing for literally 10 minutes straight, just dying.
dying laughing, hunched over, doubled over, whatever expression you want to use, I was that. I was dying. So, that was the funny little side story I hinted to you earlier. Just wanted to give that a little attention on the show because that was hysterical. Can we call that one of the best pressers ever? Because it was just remarkable. Boone was laughing, everybody in the media was laughing, Brian Hoke was shocked. <laughs> I'm calling it one of the best pressers, if not the best presser of all time. But otherwise, we are caught up heading into today. The Yankees have a four-game winning streak, and wow, I actually just took a glance at the TV. I don't know how I didn't notice this before, but the Orioles are winning one nothing. Let's see here. Yeah, wow. Yeah, Renato Nunez hit a home run to right field. I'm watching it right now, and oh, short porch shot. <laughs> well, it's a home run anyway. Regardless, it's a home run. Yeah, they're heading into the bottom of the third right now, so yeah, that didn't happen too long ago, but I didn't even notice that when it happened live. I guess I was just too into this recording. <laughs> Alright, but we are all caught up heading into today. Obviously on the mound today for the Orioles is John Means, and for the Yankees is Jay Happ. He just gave up that one run, which is fine, because today I predicted that he'd give up a couple, but that he would throw at least five innings. And I predicted another Yankee victory today for their fifth in a row. I also said they'd get to Means, because honestly, Means is not a good pitcher, but it seems like he's had them a bit under control through the first two, but there's plenty of game left to go. And I still can't believe, again, that Glaber has a day off today, because, listen, I get he only came back from the IL last weekend, but you already gave the guy off a day after he returned last Sunday, and now you're giving him a day off the day before an off day tomorrow. <laughs> it just doesn't make too much sense to me. But whatever, I'm not in charge of the lineup. So again, especially if the Yankees win today, this will be their fifth win in a row. Things are definitely starting to look up, especially again with the injury news I gave you before. Gio Rochella and Jonathan Loisica both returning in just a couple of days. And by week's end, we should see John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge back in the lineup, which should be awesome. And if everybody stays healthy, it does seem like better times are ahead for the Yankees than what we had seen for the last three or four weeks or so. As far as what's ahead game-wise for the rest of the week, as I just said before, they do have an off day tomorrow. Then on Tuesday, the Yankees welcome the Blue Jays into the Bronx for a three-game set. Another very important three games against them. There's only a half a game separating the Yankees and the Blue Jays right now in the AL East, which will also very much impact the postseason seeding. I'll explain that in just a second. But a three-game series with the Blue Jays and the Yankees in the Bronx this time. Games 5, 6, and 7 against each other for this season. They'll have three more before the season ends. The game on Tuesday night will start at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. And Davey Garcia will retake the mound for the Yankees against Taiwan Walker, who gave the Yankees about a million and one chances to score in last Tuesday's game when he walked five people. So, this coming Tuesday, if he gives a similar opportunity, the Yankees have to cash in this time. You cannot afford to blow as many scoring opportunities as they were blowing for weeks just as recently as one week ago. Then Wednesday night's game will also start at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Tanner Roark will face off against Garrett Cole. And Thursday night's game, the final of the three-game set, will also be at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. And Masahiro Tanaka will take the mound for the Yankees. So, Garcia, Cole, and Tanaka... Pretty good pitching lineup against the Blue Jays right there. You got to feel good about that. And then on Friday, for the final time this year, the Yankees will be seeing the Red Sox. They'll be going to Fenway Park starting on Friday for a three-game set. The first game will be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's on Friday. This will be the last time the Yankees see Boston in 2020, especially since the Red Sox are not making the playoffs. They've been a disaster this year. Then on Saturday, the game will also be at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And on Sunday, September 20th, when I talk to you next time, 
time, the Yankees will close out the three-game set against the Red Sox at Fenway Park at 1.07 p.m. Eastern. Let's hope they can keep on winning and continue to make progress and make inroads in the standings, both in the AL East and in the postseason seating. Especially because right now, nothing is set when it comes to the postseason seating. Because right now, just by a half a game, Tampa Bay is seated first. And again, this is just as action's getting underway today. Then the White Sox and the A's, who have the same record, they're seated second and third. The Twins have the fourth seed. The Blue Jays have the fifth seed. The Astros have the sixth. The Indians have the seventh. And the Yankees have the eighth. So obviously, the division champions are the first three. Then the second place teams are four, five, six. And then the two wild card teams are seven and eight. And it is weird because the Astros right now have a worse record than the Yankees at 500. They're 23 and 23. The Yankees are 25 and 21, but the Astros are ahead of the Yankees, even though they have a better record as of right now, because right now the Yankees are in third place in the AL East. They're not a second place team. The Astros are in their division. So even though the Astros have a worse record than the Yankees, they're ahead. So if the Yankees win today and the Mets beat the Blue Jays, the Yankees will be a half a game better than the Blue Jays. They'll be back in second place in the East. And because the Yankees would be one of the second place teams now, they would take the Blue Jays' place and jump all the way from eighth up to fifth. So this is what I'm saying. There's nothing set in stone right now, especially with still two weeks remaining. So we'll have to see what happens. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh my. Are you kidding me? Oh my God. Tyler Wade just went deep. Tyler Wade. And another short porch shot too, no less. Oh my God. That was revenge for Renato Nunez's home run before. Two short porch shots and it's one to one. It was a solo shot. (laughs) That was not something I was expecting to see today. A Tyler Wade home run. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm dying right now. I'm still not big on Tyler Wade, but I'll give him that for that solo shot, I guess. I was not expecting that today. So, I do know you guys already know the outcome to this game because you're listening tonight or maybe tomorrow or at some other point throughout the week. But I'm watching it right now as the bottom of the third's going on while this is being recorded, and I am shocked. (laughs) So, hopefully the Yankees win this one. Let's hope for a Blue Jays loss later. That would mean the Yankees retake second place heading into their three-game set against the Blue Jays starting Tuesday, and they would jump all the way up to fifth in the seeding for now. So I'm praying for a sweep today. And so far, it seems like Jay haps still doing pretty good other than that solo shot he gave up before to Renato Nunez, but I hope he keeps it at one and hands me my fifth prediction in a row being correct for a fifth straight win for the Yankees. I have been red hot with these predictions. I've gotten them all correct, and I hope I get yet another one correct today. So again, with the Yankees about to take on the Blue Jays in the next couple of days for three games, everything could look much different by the time I talk to you next week, and we'll just have to wait and see. And not only could things look different with the standings, both in the postseason seeding and the AL East, but things could look very different in the Yankees lineup with Gio Urshela, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton returning to the team. And also there was a little news out of Major League Baseball because they were talking about this a few weeks ago about them discussing only playing in certain Major League ballparks for the playoffs. And I'll just mention this really briefly right now because nothing's set in stone as long as the MLBPA still has to vote on this. But Major League Baseball officially proposed to the Major League Baseball Players Association that the playoffs basically 
be played in a bubble, only certain ballparks. The wild card games would be played in the home parks of those higher seeded teams. The NLDS would be played in Globe Life Park and Minute Maid Park. The ALDS would only be played in Petco Park and Dodger Stadium. The NLCS would only be played in Globe Life Park and the ALCS would only be played in Petco Park and the World Series would only be played in Globe Life Park. So all of these games for the most part just sound like they're going to be played in either Texas or on the West Coast in California particularly the Division Series, the Championship Series, and the World Series. But again, none of that is set in stone until the MLBPA votes on it. So that could be the deal for the playoffs as far as where the games will be played, and it is important because the playoffs are only merely about two and a half weeks away. But as for now, that is all for episode 63 of Yapping Yankees today, guys. One last shout out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature yapping Yankees. Also, follow the main man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter, at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about yapping Yankees. And also be sure to follow me on all social media so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram polls every Saturday. You can find my Facebook fan page and follow me on there at Mike Scudero NY. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. I'd also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 63, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You know that Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know to listen to Yapping Yankees. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday, September 20th, when I come at you with episode 64 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, stay safe out there, look out for your loved ones, and enjoy the next week of Yankees baseball, because things are looking up, and let's hope that it all continues to trend in the right direction for our boys in pinstripes. Have a good one, guys, and always remember, too, to look out for when Mother Nature calls. (laughs) Take care.